Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, our physical desires were given to us by God, they're good. You eat because you're healthy. God designed us that way. Same thing with making love. In marriage, the right way. It's a wonderful drive. And all the rest of the things. The exercise and the rest. Now, Jesus would go back. Remember on the Sermon on the Mount, he made this great statement. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In other words, if you put the spiritual back on top, everything else will begin to flow in your life. The human body is an amazing organism. The way all of the different systems work together, even in extreme conditions, is remarkable. Problems come when one of the legitimate needs is indulged in an out-of-balance way. Obesity, for instance, can result if the legitimate need to eat is overindulged. And then that need has to be brought back into balance. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about a need that most people ignore, the need for a relationship with God. You'll hear him speak about God's original intent for man and how sin put mankind's holistic balance out of whack. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 6 as he continues his message, Bread of Life. But understand, Jesus' ministry wasn't successful. In the eyes of man, it looked like it. But really, from his viewpoint, what he's saying here is, looks real encouraging, but it's not really encouraging to me. Look what he says. I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not for the right reasons. You're looking for me like I'm a Publix. Or like I'm a Walmart. So, what does he say to, you might say, well, Pastor Mark, that's pretty harsh from Jesus. Now, remember, the word is given to correct us and admonish us sometimes, as well as encourage and uplift. And Ephesians chapter 4 says this, speak the truth in love. Ever had to do that? I've spoken the truth, not in love. So have you. Sometimes I won't speak the truth because I don't want to hurt a person. But if I speak the truth in love and God says to do it, that's the right way to approach it. See, if we're not corrected, we can't correct. So he's saying in love to these people, an amazing correction. So here's what I want you to write because it's good for you to remember this. We'll see this when we get over into John chapter 15, back there again, that every disciple is going to be pruned. Now take a look at this. Jesus knows our motives, whether they're right or wrong. He knows your motives. By the way, that's one of the great things that we're going to be judged at when we get to our judgment. 
the judgment seat of Christ. That, he's going to look at our heart. What he's saying to these people is this. Your motives are wrong. They're selfish and temporal. It's just about your body. It's just about you. So when I get up in the morning and have a quiet time, do I get up in the morning because I have to? Or if I'm a mom or a dad and I want to challenge my sons and daughters, do I do it because I want to make sure they see me doing it? Or do I have a quiet time because my wife wants to make sure I'm doing it? I got to make sure she sees me or my husband sees me doing it. You see, if that's the reason we're having a quiet time, motive's all wrong. If I have a quiet time because I have to, wrong motive. I should do a quiet time because I get to. That's where the joy comes. That's where the blessings of God come. As you serve God, do I give of my time, my energy, effort, because I get to serve them or like I have to serve them? And we try to challenge you because sometimes you'll go to a church and they'll say, you got to give, you got to, here's the envelope, whatever, all the rest of the stuff. Well, people do that because they're, they have an envelope with their name on it. They have to give. We don't want you giving like that. God doesn't. God loves a cheerful giver. So see, our motives are huge in all of that. What happened is they'd miss the real meaning of the miracle. They focused on the bread. How many like bread? I was going to have Peggy make 100 loaves of homemade Italian bread, but I didn't do that because you guys wouldn't have listened to me the rest of the whole night. I was going to get one of those big, you know, when you go to San Francisco, get big one of those sourdough babies, Bodines, you know, whatever. I put that sourdough right here and put a fan here and just blow that sucker right out to you guys. Would you be on the spiritual or would you be on the physical the rest of the night? You already know the answer to that. What happened that day is they come back. See, all they learned that day was the bread was good. They were supposed to learn that Jesus was good. But they didn't learn that. Because they were thinking only in the physical realm. Then we have a really interesting contrast in verse 27. Jesus says this. Now do not work for food that spoils. Let's just stop right there. Food that spoils. How many of you have a chemistry lab in your refrigerator? Is it best, Mark? What are you talking about? I'm talking about how many of you are growing penicillin on that little dish? <laughs> Come on now. Every once in a while, you have to go back in, don't you? And there it is. Somehow you have a roast beef from three and a half weeks ago. Look at that sucker back in that corner. So what Jesus is saying is the food that we have physically it will never last. It always will spoil. So he says, don't work for the food that spoils, the temporal only, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So here we have work, and we have will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Remember when that happened? When Jesus was baptized. This is my Son, on whom I am well pleased. So Jesus contrasts here, physical food, which is a result of working, and when we do that, it perishes quickly, with spiritual food that comes by God's grace 
and that spiritual food lasts forever. Now, if you want to write in your Bible, you can just think about this. When Jesus is teaching about food, he's not just teaching about food. He's teaching on anything that satisfies our physical desires. So you could say clothing or shelter or medicine or sex or exercise or rest. Anything that satisfies our physical desires. Now, our physical desires were given to us by God. They're good. You eat because you're healthy. God designed us that way. Same thing with making love. In marriage, the right way. It's a wonderful drive. And all the rest of the things. The exercise and the rest. Now, Jesus would go back. Remember on the Sermon on the Mount, he made this great statement. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In other words, if you put the spiritual back on top, everything else will begin to flow in your life. So God created us with all these appetites in the physical, emotional, and spiritual realms. And here's what we discover. Everyone is searching to fulfill those appetites. The reason for South Miami, they're searching. The reason for Vegas, they're searching. The most fundamental of all spiritual appetites is found in Ecclesiastes 3.11. Just write that down. Let me read it to you. He, God, has made everything beautiful in this time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. You see, God designed every single human being with a hunger for a personal relationship with himself. And sometimes we forget that. I'm not talking that God put a desire to have a relationship with God in a Christian. I'm talking about every human being. So everybody that you know, even though they are trying to fill that hunger with things of this earth, it is really only possible to fill it with a relationship with God. Now, they're not ready. Most of our friends initially are not ready to understand that. They won't understand. They say that's foolishness. But that is the truth. Now, why did God put that in there? For that very same thing. If you search for me with all your heart, God says, I will be found. So a Christ follower will want to be right with God. They will want to know more about God. They want to be like God. St. Augustine said that until a person has this relationship, they'll always be restless, hungry, unfulfilled, and searching everywhere. Think of the people that you know. Think of what you were like before you came to Christ. Now, if you go back to Solomon, he had it all. You and I don't really have a chance to have everything that Solomon had. All the money, all the riches, a thousand women, legal, not from Mormon country, legal, thousand. We don't have the ability to have all this stuff. And at the end of that, So Satan will say to you, while you tried that, if you had a little more, that would really satisfy now. Ever been there? When you go to buy a car, if you buy a new car every 43 years, because that's all you can afford a new car. (laughs) Why do they have all these extras out there? Because you look at it and go, if I got that one, I'd really be satisfied. And your wife goes, well, I'd really be satisfied with that one. And pretty soon, you have everything they can offer on the car. Why? That's human nature. 
I'm not satisfied with it now, but if I have this on it, I'll be satisfied with it. How many remember when you had a car with no air conditioning? How many remember that? Good. And you lived in Florida. Let me see your hand. Yeah, I'm not lived up in Michigan. Who cares? Roll the window down. But see, now it's different. So it isn't those things are bad, but we never feel that satisfaction. Never. It always leaves us a little empty. That's why advertising. We're getting ready for that again. So understand, Satan is a great deceiver, and he provides all of these alternatives to fill the spiritual void. We try to fill spiritual hunger with power and authority and success and comfort and happiness and sexuality, even religion. But notice the irony of Jesus' comments. Work for food which endures to eternal life. Yes, work to provide a daily living, but focus more on the real life, the spiritual and the eternal, which God will give you. Now, that goes back, really, Jesus is kind of alluding to the Old Testament. Look at this verse from Isaiah. It's really neat. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that's good for the soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. So here's what I want you to write. The biggest mistake in life is trying to satisfy our spiritual hunger with physical things. It cannot be done. Man can never satiate that desire that God's put in us for him with things. It cannot be done. Even in a church setting, we will try to do good things. And here's a big one. We'll try to do good things. We'll serve God doing wonderful things instead of spending time with God. It won't work. It won't satisfy you. It's the intimate time with God that brings the satisfaction. You can work every day volunteering wonderful stuff for us. Thank you. But that will never saturate. Same with the pastor. He can be preaching, I can be preaching, but if I have no quiet time, it doesn't fulfill my life. The quiet time, the time with God comes first. Now remember, our world is starving for something that satisfies. They continue to try. Everything, but the only thing is God. Solomon tried everything, and it simply didn't work. Without God, life is unsatiable, and cannot be satisfied. Now, turn to Matthew 6.25 for a second. The number one secret to spiritual success is living with a healthy spiritual appetite. Remember, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the Father. So as you live there, God will minister to your life. Look at Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. So real life is not about stuff. So what is Jesus trying to say to them? Here's what he's trying to say to them. Live life with the spiritual in first place or as the priority. Live life with the spiritual in the first place. Now, how can we do that? If you and I get up in the morning and we go to the newspaper first or we go to the television first or we go to our iPad and check our email first 
And of course, all kinds of advertisements come in there. Where does our mind begin to focus on? Is it focused on the spiritual? Just tell me. Or is it focused on the physical? Tell me. Physical. And it's hard to shift gears, isn't it? We've all been there. So we're trying to say to you, first thing to do is head to the spiritual. Because if I head to the spiritual, then I'm going to be thinking of the spiritual. Not, not weird. I'm still going to buy clothes, still going to buy Christmas gifts, still going to celebrate Christmas, get gifts for the grandkids, and for sure. But my focus now is different because I've started there. Now, here's the second one I want you to do right here. Live life with eternity in view. In the book of James, James says this, your life is like a vapor. Now, those of you that are over 50, didn't it look like we just did this Thanksgiving Eve service a few days ago? Am I right? I'm thinking, say what? The Christmas tree's up here again. Yes, shoeboxes. Say la vie, what's happening here? Well, life goes like that. You younger guys, enjoy. <laughs> life is cruel. Good ready. So how am I going to think, seriously now, how am I going to live life with eternity in view? Where do I hear about eternity? Anything I look at in this world, I don't hear about eternity. I hear about right now, here and now. What's going to happen with the taxes? What's going to happen with this? What's happening over Israel right now? What's going to do over here? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to work? What's going to happen my job? What's going to do with it? How do I get eternity in view? The Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that tells you about eternity. So if I'm in the Word of God, then I'm going to think a little bit unspiritual, get my focus back the way it should be. And second, I'm going to be thinking... Okay, it's, it's really tough right now, but this is just now. There's a lot more coming when I die. And so a little bit of whatever right now, it's okay because eventually I'm going to be with God forever. And like forever is forever. <laughs> so the only way that can happen, and that's what Jesus was trying to say. He wasn't saying to them, don't work, I'll feed you. That's foolishness. He says, but don't try to work, spend all your energy on stuff that's going to spoil, stuff that doesn't last, and pretty soon, number one, it won't bring satisfaction anyway. Look, go back to uh, verse 28, where we were, John 6. By the way, one of the guys in pastor's Bible study today, he was reading verse 27, and he showed me at the end of the service, and uh, I want to read it to you because it's out of the Message Bible. Listen to this. Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you. Yes. Sticky. Did you get it? All right, good. Work for the food that sticks with you. Food that nourishes your lasting life. Food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. Work for the food that sticks with you. Amen. All right. Now... Verse 28, Jesus said to work for it. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, remember back in that verse, Jesus said in that verse, remember the verse we just read? He says in that verse, when you work for it, this father, the son of God will give it to you. So understand what we're talking about there and it'll make sense to you in this verse. First, they missed the gift part of what Jesus just said. 
they are thinking of the Old Testament law. Man is all, you and I, we're always trying to earn our salvation. Salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. So you don't need to write this, but I think it's very important for you to understand this. All world religions focus on what man can do for God. Every world religion. Can I be good enough? How can I be good enough? Christianity is the only one that's different. Christianity focuses on what God has already done for man. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift. That doesn't seem right because, as I said, 99.9% of the other world religions all believe the other way. So it's difficult for people to understand that. How good do I have to be to be a Christian? If I come to your church, how good do I have to be? What do I have to do to get to heaven? Remember the rich young man? What do I have to do to get to heaven? They're asking the same thing. Now, it's interesting because they forgot that the Son of Man would give them this. Well, look at verse 29. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. And let me just stop there. Some of you could say, Pastor Mark, I thought you told me forever we can't work for our salvation. The work of God is this. Well, finish the verse. To believe in the one he has sent. So the only part I play in my salvation is to what? Believe. To believe. Jesus responds, the only work, the only thing you need to do is believe. And after you believe, then you can do good works for God. Faith and eternal life are a gift from God. I do have to exercise my faith by believing. That's the work that I do do. But interestingly enough, faith to believe even comes from God. Now, keep your finger there. Let's turn back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9 just quickly. You know this by heart, but it's good because as you witness and as you share, as you know today, there are some churches that will teach that if you belong to this church, you earn salvation. No, Salvation is found in the Son that will give it to you. Jesus Christ alone has nothing to do with any church, not our church either. Now, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul would write it like this. You know it, for it's, it's by grace you've been saved. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. So even the faith that we exercise comes to God. And how is that? You'll see later. You can't come to God when you want. God has to draw you. So God opens our eyes, as we saw not long ago, with Lydia in Philippi. God opened her eyes from the gospel. And this is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not by work, so that no one can boast. Then we see, after we're saved, what happens. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's one of the five fruits that we talked about, is proof of a disciple. That I'm going to be fruitful. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit which God prepared in advance for us to do. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about Jesus' disappointment with the people who were following him. They were following only because they'd been fed miraculously by Jesus. You learned that because their motives were wrong, they missed out on eternal life. Pastor Mark talked about the fact that God made every person, not just Christians, to have a relationship with him. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be winding up this message, Bread of Life. He'll be talking about how the world system tricks people into believing that they can have ultimate satisfaction by chasing after things in this world. You'll be reminded that the world's deception only leads to frustration and spiritual death. You'll learn how to get that spiritual hole that everyone has filled the right way. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series called The Great I Am's. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd